trial by wine. We take a closer look at crimes that highlight how fascinating humans can be. Schmidt, Swanee and Clarkey visit crimes and run them through their jury of three, debating both sides of the case to agree an appropriate, if totally fictitious, sentence. Please be advised, Trial by Wine may include explicit or disturbing content and will include drunken rambling. Listener discretion is advised. All right, how are we? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yes. How are you guys? Yes, good, well, good, good. well, it's a uh, yes. beautiful day here in wherever I am. It's all going The neighbourhood? Well. Not quite. In the hood. In the hood. Aren't you in Buenos Aires? We are, yes. Yes, mm. I keep going onto the balcony mm. and saying, hello, Buenos Aires. <laughs> um, we're in a What's little new, place called- Buenos Aires? <laughs> Buenos- I'm <laughs> exactly, you. You like want that. no, I'm just a little stuck <laughs> on you. You be on me too. <laughs> exactly like that. So we're in Palermo in Buenos Aires. It's very good. Beautiful. There must be lots of Palermos. I hear about it. Yeah, whenever we Google things to do in Palermo or restaurants in Palermo. Coming up in Sicily, are you? with Italy a lot. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. It's strange anyway. And I think that I'm sure there's another one as well because mm. only recently and I've thought to someone, oh, maybe it was your stuff actually. And I went, what? And then I was like, oh, I didn't know there was a Palermo there as well. It was well. a good boy. Look how good looking this dog is. It's freaking me out. No, don't chew my headset. Look at how cute your puppy is. Seriously, how good looking is this dog? (laughs) Model dog. Look at her face, those eyes. Um, You're not very well behaved. I'm glad Arthur's not here to hear this because it does make mm, Arthur's looking a bit rough today. He needs a grooming. I don't think he's quite uh, got the gist of how to podcast. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't think he has. Yes. I also don't think he could have been a wolf because he's too cute. <laughs> uh, if he went running up to something, they'd go, very beautiful. <laughs> he was so cute. The rabbits would rough and tumble with him instead of run away. All right, yes, that's my uh, news is that, yes, sadly, Boof passed away. Boof, well, oh. best known for his... Scent? Farting uh, yeah, Well, I was going to say his, his horrendously smelly Oda farts <laughs> and his uh, disproportionately large his. penis. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember that. I didn't know that bit. Oh, oh it was God. massive. Like his le- it was almost longer than with his legs. But, yes, oh. God rest his soul. Uh, and now now we have Kipling. So And oh. Kipling will grow. He's already put on four kilos in two weeks, so he's going to grow pretty fast. But he's a cutie woody. He's not perimenopausal by any chance, is he? Because I seem to be... Uh... <laughs> Having the same issues. <laughs> Me too, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> That's funny. I wish it was. It really isn't. <laughs> if I thought of that, I would have called him Perry instead of Kipling. <laughs> Perry. Get your shit together, Perry. Oh, here he comes. <laughs> Wake up to yourself, Perry. That would have been fun. I cannot ever remember that yeah. quote. Uh, what are we drinking? Boys look like you're on something very moderate there. What time well, is it there? Well, given that it is six o'clock in the morning, five in the morning or something. Now, <laughs> it's dawn. Uh, we're just on a yeah, literally. We're having a coffee because it's so early. Right, oh, fair enough. Very civilized, mm. understandable, understandable. And Swanee, what about How you? How about you? Well, I've been in Bali for the last week with my family and we went five years ago and on that trip my children were a bit younger and myself and the three kids all got sick and my husband was the only one who didn't and he claimed it was because he drank scotch the entire time. <laughs> so I employed a similar <laughs> and I yep, and mine was tequila and I had 
a minimum of two margaritas every day and it seemed to work a treat. So I'm very happy to report that none of us got sick. <laughs> the kids were not on whiskey were they or, having two margaritas or margaritas. No, no, they're on a very special probiotic that someone suggested I get them, so that worked. But, no, I'm just on a Diet Coke this afternoon. Oh, okay. Well, I am drinking a Yugo Spritz. Uh, So Swanee sent me for my birthday a bottle of whatever it's called. uh, Saint-Germain. Yeah. And so I thought in in honour of that and the fact I had a lot of mint in the fridge, I thought oh, I'd have good. a Hugo Spritz. Yeah. Is it a good so, one? Cheers. It's delicious. You've got it in the right glass, that's for sure. Yeah, you've it is the glass. delicious. We went to a French restaurant oh, probably about a month ago here and I asked if they did it and they didn't. And the lady said, oh, if you like that, you'll like this. And this thing came out and it was so sweet and I was like, oh, really? Like, You know how something, can, it's got to be right and if it's right, it's perfect, but if you're slightly off, it's just, <sighs> you know, if, if the first one I'd Rubbish. ever had had it been like that, I would never have even gone down that path. It right. was just that the first one I had was so excellent that yeah. I was like, this is a thing. So, you know, I think your your volume in your gla- in your vessel and your ice looks It's a perfect. whole tray of ice, a complete yeah. tray of ice, yeah. Well done, you. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's pretty good. So who are we? I'm Schmitty. I'm Swanee. And I'm Clarkie. And together we are... Tri- Trial by Wine. Beautiful. And Yugo Spritz and coffee. Yes, yes, yes. So who's got a story? I do. I have All one. right. And what I need to do is I need to tell you my sources up front, but I need to save one of the sources, but it's a very important one, and I can reveal it at the end. But if I tell you what it is, It'll it will give really it give the whole away. thing. The right. whole thing will be given away. Okay. Right. So remind me to tell you that because it is an important source. It's a, a documentary. Is, okay. is the source who framed Roger Rabbit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not dissimilar to that. It probably even, it gives even more away <laughs> than that title. That's how stupid this other title wow, is. Wow, more than that. Yeah, it's bizarre. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, I can't tell you what it is. Okay, so my sources are theindependent.co.uk, vice.com, dailymail.co.uk, mirror.co.uk, Wikipedia. And then this particular documentary that I've I've watched. But, again, I'll tell you at the end what that was because otherwise I would tell you the whole crime up Mm -hmm. front, which kind of defeats the purpose, right? So but you must remind me to tell you what that is. The murder of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's it's like there are three parts to the title. They literally have covered everything off that the story is about. It's like, oh, okay, well, pretty much. The the twenty eight stabbing death of Mrs. Yeah. Munro <laughs> by her ex husband. <laughs> Absolutely. As always, I like to start with a bit of geography. So I've been on maps and had a little bit of a look. And my story today oh. starts in the UK. And this was a crime that was committed, I think, whilst well, I know actually, while both Schmidt and I lived over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly aware of it. I know Caroline will be as well. But it wasn't something that I was massively invested in. And so when I saw this as a crime, I thought I actually might have a look at it because I, I'm, you know, I, I couldn't quite remember the details of it. It just all seemed a bit sort of generic. Mm-hmm. Actually quite an interesting story. So I thought I would share it with you. So our story starts in a seaside town called Seaton Carew which I'd never heard of before, and it's about 270 miles north from London and it's on the, the coast, um, the northeast coast. It's a very small town, very insular, and it's described as having a sort of a decayed elegance because it sits between 
Teesside and Hartlepool, which I think are two sort of Hartley like industrial. Hartlepool, isn't it? Hartlepool, that's it. What did I call yeah. it? Hartlepool. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You've been um, away too long. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I think they're quite industrial and yeah. this might have been at one point where people sort of took a bit of time off. So it's actually very small. It's only like a population of about 6,000 residents, but there are aspects of it that are because it's totally, you know, um, seaside fronting and there are some sort of grand-looking, sort of a little bit tired houses along the front. You can imagine like that kind of English seaside town. So don't think of, you know, like carnival and piers. It's not like that. It's a bit more sedate Shit. than that. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's pretty beach. ordinary. Pissweek world? Swanee, you used a phrase, um, decaying elegance. Yeah. And it's taken me straight to, you know, if a... Um, Bubble severe? If a coroner, <laughs> if a coroner was looking at a body, yes, <laughs> and they, look, they oh, still still oh. look quite pretty, but a little bit decaying, oh. that could be described as decaying elegance. That's revolting. Okay. Well, I think I probably we haven't heard that yet, but I would like you to keep an eye out for it. Okay. I thought it was really apt actually, because it's that thing where some things. I mean, I've been to places on the seaside in the UK, and I turn up there, and I just. I don't really get it. I just sort of mm. think, oh, and a lot of people love it. But I've been, you know, where I thought well, I'm going to stay in a nice, probably with you, Schmitty, now that I think about it, somewhere in a nice hotel. It looks really quite great. Is it Brighton? We went and stayed in a grand-looking hotel. But, you know, the reality is like it's old. Brighton, you would. I stayed in a hotel in Brighton that looked all right on the outside. But yes. It's quite common, right? When, maybe when we went down to Cornwall. Maybe oh, that was much was nicer a- down there. Yeah, that was all right, but we had an yeah. Airbnb. Not Airbnb. It was a B and B at the time. It was quite yes. nice, but before it, there was the air. That's correct. We've stayed in lots of dodgy places, though. Yeah, but you know that's part of the way you get to go to where you get to go. It's not. It's not about the accommodation. Mm. It's half time. It's just about the experience. Anyway, so we're in Seton it's not Carew. Bogner Regis. No. At the what's the name <laughs> of the oh far out? What do they call those camp? And they've always Jamboree's. got like the, because the people do Jamboree's. the shows. No, the people do yeah, the shows. You know they've exactly got the, what I'm talking about. They, they but, all end Butlins, up Butlins. Butlins. That's it. Butlins. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. totally it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think Not I that. stayed at a Butlins in Bognor Regis. <laughs> anyway, oh dear God, for a Ciroc weekend. Bognor Regis. <laughs> Bognor. I was in Bognor for a for a Ciroc weekend. Yeah. Oh, that's I knew how to have fun. <laughs> Oh, gosh. That's right. So I need to introduce you now to a couple. Their names are John and Anne Darwin. And to the outside world, they're a very ordinary uh, couple. They live in Seton Carew. They do live on the seaside. Um, And I guess they're quite fortunate in respect that where they do live is there's a, a number of houses that are connected that look very grand and it's called The Cliff. And there's, you know, the cliff number one. That's like the address is called the cliff, although it's not really on a cliff. It's just on the seafront. Um, is it not? A, yeah. It's not a cliff. It's just the, you know, <laughs> the sea. I'd say the beach. It's not the beach. The water's across the road. Yeah. Um, Anne is a receptionist at a local doctor's and John Darwin uh, is a prison officer and they have two grown-up sons, but they do not live with them. They have left the house and they live elsewhere. John works at a prison. Well, I know it's in Stockton. I think it was called Holmes Prison. And he was described as being quite a nice guy, a bit lazy, someone said. Nice enough, but not jobs not worth. didn't give didn't give much of himself. And they thought that to be honest, he seemed more comfortable with the prisoners than he was with his, you know, superiors prison or guard colleagues. colleagues yeah. yeah. Colleagues. Spent a lot of time with them playing chess. I don't know that it was high security from what I can gather. It seemed like they all seemed to be doing a fair bit of interaction, interacting with each other. But the overall sort of feeling about 
John, was that he saw working at the prison as a bit of a stopgap. He had often talked about his sort of other business interests and he often was talking about the fact that he had other properties, sort of investment properties that he owned and that he rented out. In fact, he and Anne owned, well, this has been quite a different number every time on a different source, but let's say 11 rental properties in a place called Easington Colliery. And the reason why the name is important is because it's called a pit village. And I didn't really know mm-hmm. what that was, but I think it relates From to... A, it's a, a colliery. So, totally. Yeah, it's a mine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Coal so mine? It's, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's not an illustrious place. It's certainly probably not as nice. It's definitely not as nice probably as Probably got place. a few slag heaps. Yep. And it's cheap. It's really cheap. So mm-hmm. he was just, he was starting there and he, his plan was sort of to build this sort of empire. And he was also quoted as saying that it was so cheap to buy there that, in fact, he'd bought one of the properties on a credit card. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he, he wow. made it sort of known that, you know, he had other interests and that he was a bit quite important. So maybe he had ideas above his station, but he certainly wanted people to know that. Well, in actual reality was the fact that he and Anne had got themselves into quite significant financial trouble. So although they had a number of properties, oh. they what had no was tenants. Uh, this is, oh, I should have told you that. This is 2002. Oh, okay. Or leading up to 2002. Yeah. Let's say early 2000. If he's bought a property on his credit card and not paid it (laughs) off, that's a bad strategy. Yeah, I don't know that you can do that, but he he was quoted as saying that. So whether he had or not, the point being that they were acquiring very cheap properties, properties, but a number of them. And then the way that they were sort of outwardly presenting themselves was that they were, you know, starting this little property empire and they were quite special. Mm. Mm. I know a few people like that. But the reality was not that I've seen someone interviewed, I've got to remember who it was, I think it was one of the detectives who worked on the case that we'll come to, obviously, I'm sort of giving it away there. But he said they didn't even have enough money to feed their two dogs. They had two Rottweilers who required a lot of food, so they were buying their food on a credit card. But at the same time, John Darwin was driving around in a Range Rover that he said had huge high purchase, you know, monthly payments that he needed to make. So it was very much about... Keeping up appearances for for John and Anne Darwin. And, in fact, things were getting so dire that John Darwin was quoted as saying, I thought I I was worth more dead than alive, and that was the truth. So in March of 2002, on March 21st actually, John didn't turn up to his night shift after taking his canoe out to sea. His wife reported that he hadn't returned and he was an experienced paddler and that he was he he knew the waters well because he was a local, so it was very unusual that he hadn't come back, and she was concerned. At the same time, at the prison, he hadn't turned up for his next shift, and again, that was very out of character for him. So the police were notified, and a search effort started. Five lifeboats, two coast guard units, one helicopter, and a spotter plane spent the next thirty six hours looking for John Darwin. Oh no. Only a wrecked canoe, canoe. Oh gosh! Only a wrecked and a, canoe. An erect canoe. <laughs> Sorry. Only a wrecked oh, canoe no. <laughs> and a paddle were found on a beach nearby. Is, is that like a blow-up canoe? <laughs> the media at the time were reporting that Anne Darwin was in a terrible predicament, and that was because without a body, and the fact that the location of her house at the cliff, which again was not on a cliff, was just a cliff. across the road, yeah. she looked directly out to the water where her husband just had just like left Brighton. Yeah. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you know where we. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so that she was tormented by the fact that, you know, there was no closure, there was no body, she didn't know what to do and how would she face her life having to be, you know, looking out the window all day, all night, seeing the the water where he had gone missing. How could she possibly move on? The police liaison who worked with Anne said she wasn't overly emotional, but they'd seen lots of people react in lots of different ways when things happened. So while she was upset and she did cry a little bit, nothing particularly over the top, whereas her son, they had two boys. Cigarette Sally cry. (laughs) 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 No. My husband's gone. (laughs) Her sons were absolutely gutted. Well, they would be. Yeah, they had lost their father, so they were very distraught. However, the insurance investigators who work on the behalf of insurance companies Mm. were a little suspicious. They'd said that in recent Mm, months there were three (laughs) cases where people had gone to sea, gone missing, and then turned up later so mm. they were saying look just in an give us canoe not an erect canoe and not just like a foot no oh no no <laughs> what's her name leanne no i've got no, her name. i can't think of it either melissa melissa that's it <laughs> they also said it's very unusual for a man of uh, it's so funny because when i looked back at his age like 52 i thought he looked about 62 70 even. Judgy. Very judgy. It's a hard it life a, up there in the north, you know. It is apparently, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realise that I was so close to his age and On I found that cliff. quite confronting, I think. <laughs> 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 That's why it's true. I went, oh, 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 I don't like that at all. They thought oh. it was suspicious that he had taken up canoeing again because apparently he used to canoe and then he said, and she, the wife was saying oh, that he was a canoeer, but he'd just taken up again. And as I said, it was highly unlikely that someone would take up canoeing again on the North Sea <laughs> in March. <laughs> so they suggested, surve- they suggested surveillance for some time, um, expecting that the dead person would turn up. Float. But mm. within days, the coroner released a death certificate. That's fast. So it was quick. <gasps> yeah. I'm without not sure, a body. I'm not without a body, and I'm not sure if that's within days of him going, dis- of him disappearing, or within days of the insurer saying that they wanted to investigate because they were saying they were about, to, they were started an investigation, but they'd only just got, it only just got off the ground. They were only just starting to oh. like entertain that when it was like, oh no, here's your death certificate. And they're like, oh, from the so coroner's office. So the coroner's office. got a very different view of this. Going, there's nothing suspicious about this. It happens all the time. Yeah. Whereas the insurance company is going, this is too much. Yeah, Connor's like fifty-two-year-old man in the North Sea. Yeah, he's had a heart attack. You know, yeah. it's just again. You yeah. know, we don't yeah. have a lot of cyclists up there. You know, we don't have the lycra mammals. Instead, we've got these guys in wetsuits out in the North Sea. Drops off every week. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, actually, I can tell you what that Feeding was. Feeding their canoes Viagra. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> so on the so on April 10, two thousand three, John Darwin was declared dead. Wow. And shortly after that, Anne claimed £162,000 in life insurance policies. Mm. <gasps> now, again, depending on where I look, I see the figure 250000 The figure does change. So in Wikipedia, yes. it's quoted as 250000 yes. The pounds? point being pounds, but it, right. it does say pounds in, the, in Wikipedia as well, saying that she got £250,000. Okay. But everywhere else that I've seen on the document, it says 162000 So let's just stick to the lower amounts, you know, and... Somewhere between 162 and 250,000 pounds. A lot of money for these people. Yeah, Yeah. somewhere in that vicinity. That's the problem when you've got all these different sources, right? Yeah. And who knows what's right. Also, around this time, the local police liaison officer, who was the person who had been dealing with Anne Darwin, Mm -hmm. 
had a call from an old school friend, like primary school friend, who now worked at the prison. And he said that he was convinced that he'd seen John Darwin because he was in a car and he saw John walking sort of past him. And he said, I would recognise the gait of that man's walk. He has a very particular gait. That was definitely him. Right. That's what a paddler looks like. It's all those years of paddling. <laughs> oh, the paddling. Seeing old wobbly Seen walk. And he's convinced of the gate. Anyway, so yes. the police officer, walk. liaison officer, makes a note of it and then it's never followed up. And then... Well, that old chestnut. Another prison colleague who'd worked with John Darwin claims that he saw John Darwin drive past in his Range Rover with the dogs in the car. They're just seeing ghosts. But that is, what? That's, I mean, is this, how many people do you reckon drive a Range Rover in with two right-wheelers, yeah. Right. yeah. So, but nothing came of it. So, again, that was Reddit. Then everything just goes cold and it's not until uh, the 1st of December 2007. Wow, three, when four now, years later. No, nearly five. <gasps> wow. 2002, He's done a good 2007. Job of yep. In plain sight, in his Range Rover yes. with his dogs down the high street. Yep. John Darwin <laughs> walks into the West End Central Police Station in London and he hands himself in, saying he has amnesia and he doesn't know who he is and he has no recollection of really <laughs> anything. <laughs> he has, he appears to be in good health. He's quite tanned. Now, remember, this is December in London, so not many people are sporting a tan. He's been somewhere else, yeah. He's dressed quite nicely. And when he sees the first, you know, the young police officer on the front desk, they think he's a bit of a loon or whatever else. Anyway, they, he goes and speaks to someone more senior, and the more senior uh, police officer comes out and says to him, you know, can we can we help you, mate? Because he looks like he's dressed pretty nice, not sleeping rough or anything like that. He's had a haircut, you know, like he's doesn't look like he's been any trouble or anything. Oh, he looks fine. Anyway, so he's not really prepared to move on. just come back from Marbella or somewhere, yeah. you know. Can he's I help you? What would you soul. like to do? Can you tell us that other source yet? What's the place, that the Benidorm? He's been in Benidorm. Benidorm. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, he says he has no recollection, nothing at all for, you know, conveniently the last five years. They ask a few other questions. Any idea who you are? No, I don't know who I am or what's happened. I've got no memory. I've got amnesia. I've got amnesia. And then finally they push him a bit more and he says, oh, maybe my name's John. He's like, oh, okay, okay, anything more? <gasps> and maybe more? my last name and is. And <laughs> when really pushed, he goes, maybe my last name is. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting John Darwin. Are you serious? Uh, but I'm not yeah. sure if it's me or oh, it's spirits no. talking to me. <laughs> but I don't know because I don't know anything. I've got amnesia. <laughs> I don't know. I've got amnesia. <laughs> One of the things oh, I really liked great. at this point was, I, I read this in a, in a source and it was said they were asking him a number of questions at this point, trying to work out what he knew, what he didn't know. And <laughs> initial questioning suggested John was unlikely to help because when asked what 9-11 signified, <laughs> he responded 20. For 7-7, which you may not know in some sense, that, that was the bombing in, in the bus um, in, and the in, trains, yeah. yeah. In London. In London. He said 14. Yeah, yeah. So he was being just... <laughs> Dick. A medical examination recorded his symptoms. Do you know your address? I'm getting vibes of cliffs. <laughs> yes. He, he, a medical examination recorded his <laughs> symptoms as entirely failing to match those of an amnesia sufferer. So they look in, <laughs> at, 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 I can imagine at the same time they start looking online and the moment they start looking into John Darwin, red flags there because there's actually an invasion. I can just imagine them all at work. Yeah. Just going, look at this clown. Look at this guy. And then, of course, when they start looking at And no one was even looking for him. Well, yes. 
So when yeah. they start, when they put his name into the system, uh-huh. the insurance, there were some red flags that started to come up. But more so from fairly recent times, I think an investigation had been open maybe three months before that, where a couple of different people had started to call various uh, departments, whatever, saying, "I've heard I've this, seen I've seen, seen that, yeah, I've heard a phone call." Okay. Well, that makes more sense than just being off having a nice time and then coming yes. in going, "Oh, I might be, maybe." John but someone. of course, they didn't tell him that. They've just <laughs> gone, "Oh, oh my God, you went missing five years ago. Oh, your awful. poor wife. Let's call your wife. Oh yes, let's, let's get in touch with your wife. But where was Anne?" Was Anne at On number the Costa four, the del Sol. Not quite. <laughs> Marbella. Or where did I say Benidorm? <laughs> Not quite. Where was so she? So it turns out to be the biggest news story of, well, one of the biggest news stories of 2007. And it's all about, you know, coming back from the dead. And there were so many questions that people had in that, you know, first sort of 24 hours. And the first question was, and certainly for the tabloids, was, where is she? Where is the wife? Where is Anne Darwin? We need to speak to Anne. Did Anne, her, is her she husband's married? back. <laughs> so they're I'd unable to know <laughs> she's not remarried so the first place that they go to of course is number four the cliff their house yeah. but when she they, is not when they get there the police do arrive and there's a Smart. nice new owner there because the house had been sold six weeks before john darwin had reappeared mm. and had sold the house they shared on the seafront at seaton crew okay dink yes and I've seen an interview with a man there <laughs> and he comes out, young father or whatever else, and he said, oh, you know, she was lovely to deal with, she was a nice lady, and we didn't know anything really about her, but we could tell that, you know, a, a lady had lived here and there was a, only, you know, there was a, a Spanish language book was left and, yeah, that was it. So we figured she'd, you know, off to start a nice life in retirement in Spain. So, so I wasn't far off then. You weren't far off. No, you were You're alone, not right, but you weren't yeah. far off. <laughs> The day after his reappearance, a tabloid Argentina. paper. South America. Closer, closer. The day after his reappearance. Mexico. Closer. You're not going to get it. But <laughs> New Mexico. <laughs> no. The day after his reappearance, a tabloid paper received a tip-off that Anne Darwin was in Panama City. Oh, there yes. you go. Yeah. <gasps> So they contacted a a British foreign correspondent based in Miami and he set off to Panama to see if he could find Anne Darwin. The gentleman's name, the foreign correspondent, is David I'm sure you're going to tell us this, but it's very very odd that he didn't just go to Panama City and live out his life with her. Are they fighting or something? We'll get there. That's very odd. You're right. There's a whole. There's five years we've um, got to work out what happened in, and this is just. Oh, no. the, this is just the back end, it's right? Very so at the moment, you're now. like, why has this guy <laughs> turned up after all this time? If he was, you know, no one, everyone thought he was dead. Anyway, so Dave, uh, David Lee is the foreign correspondent journalist who gets the tip, well, from the tabloid, and he arrives in Panama City, assuming that she will have already left, because if she's just found out that her husband, who was, you know, assumed dead. Is alive. She must be absolutely ecstatic and on the first plane out there to go and be reunited with, you know, her husband who's been missing for five years. He turns up at this. So that's the angle that the media is taking at the time. At the time, they think that well, they don't know what's going on. Yeah, that she'll be happy. So he 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 arrives at her flat, and he's banging the door. Whatever else in Panama City, right? Assuming that she's flown back, but when he gets there, he can tell that there's someone there, but (laughs) she won't. You know, she won't let him in. Whatever else. So he just 
stays there. He seems like a really nice man, actually. Although I don't know that anyone who's associated with tabloid paper would be, but he did. He comes across quite nice. So having assumed she's flown back to the UK, he arrives and can tell that she's there, but she won't let him in. So he says he waits about 40 minutes. <laughs> and she finally says... I'm not home. Um, Go away. All right, you better come in. <laughs> so okay. she lets him in and he says... <gasps> He's not the Messiah. He's a very <laughs> naughty boy. And she says, he says, you know, they're trying to find you. You know that your husband's alive, right? You've been told. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm on my way. I'm just having a bit of a visa issue. And he was like, yeah, I don't think that you've got For a visa your issue. UK passport. Well, That's you'd be, not a you'd thing. be fine. Your husband's just been, just coming after having to go home. You know, amnesia yeah. and being missing for five years. You thought he was dead. This must be incredible. And he said, she just seemed, uh, I've just, I've got to sort this out kind of thing. So to try and gain her trust, he sat with her and he said, I didn't say why are you not flying out? He said, oh, you know, I sort of finally went down a line of questioning and sort of suggested people are saying maybe John faked his death. And she said, he, she flew into a sort of a bit of a rage and she's like, I'm devastated and <gasps> I'm, I've been heartbroken. And since day one of him, you know, God missing my life has been, you know, to- I've been tormented. Back in the UK, <laughs> 24 hours later... An armchair detective from Cheshire calls the tabloid. Don't fuck with cats. I don't know which tabloid it is. Doesn't matter. Or the Daily Mail, surely. News and, of the World. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what it is. Were they even around? Well, it would be good if it was News of the World. Yeah. 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 And she says, I have a photo. I have a photo of John and Anne Darwin <gasps> in Panama that proves that she knew he was alive. And you know what this lady from Cheshire had done? All she'd done was she'd Googled the names John and Anne and Panama and bingo, a photo of the couple. They came up on the internet. Yep, came up, a photo of them came up with an estate agent in Panama City with a date stamp even. So it's been taken, a photograph that's then been scanned and then put onto a website and it was for a real estate business because they were out there looking for property. So here are this wonderful <gasps> English couple. Brilliant. Posing with the real estate agent who's showing them around apartments. And the business that they were photographed with was trying to entice people saying, come here, we'll look after local legalities, we'll help you set up your offshore companies, all that kind of thing. That That's why people go to Panama City, right? That's one of the beauty, you know, Panama papers. It's not a coincidence. So they were promoting their product and say, look at this happy couple. They didn't know that they were not who they said they were. So from that photo, <laughs> and because of the date stamp on it, 2006, so it's at least, we know that it's 18 months before the beginning of, I think it must have been June or something. It's December 2007 when he comes forward and says, oh, I don't remember anything. And she's saying, I've never heard, I don't know where he is. And when you see the 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 journalist from the tabloid being interviewed, I love this. They say there's a, it's called a ring-in. So if someone calls in with information about, of course, you know, they said we're always after them. Some of them are just horrendous. But they're like, this is an extraordinary one and it's it's known as like one of the best that ever happened because it wasn't even like wasn't a journalist that found it. It was just some armchair detective going, I'm suspicious. I don't believe this. And because this, you know, now people do this all the time, I right? But, you know, this is quite too. early days, right? Okay. So at this very moment, David Lee, who's the foreign correspondent from Miami down in Panama City, back on day two interviewing, she's still there, interviewing Anne. He says he's sitting with her as he takes the call and they say, you are not going to believe this. We're going to send you a photo that's going to prove that she does, in fact, know where John Darwin's been. We're going to send the photo through. So <laughs> he gets the photo set up and he turns the computer around to show her. He says she goes white and then... <gasps> 
just goes, well, I guess that that's that stuff's done kind of thing. I guess that shows you everything. Who is that? Yep. Yeah. She doesn't she doesn't argue it. So he then says to her, Right, were you oh. in it from the start? And she says, Absolutely not. No, no, no. I thought he was dead. It wasn't until a year after he went missing that he turned up on my front door hoping that I'd got the insurance money. Hmm. <gasps> At this a time story. This is one of my favorite things. This is so yeah. UK. You'll ever I mean a pair of you will know it like anyone knows it these days but you know we all know what it's like when you're in the UK and it's just what's the headline today but how clever can it be oh the pun the mm-hmm. pun so they had the photograph oh, yeah, on the front yeah. page of all the newspapers and one of them it was the headline read canoes that in Panama I knew it was <laughs> with John Darwin is circled Canoes that in Panama. I knew it was going to start with canoe. I was <laughs> yeah. desperately trying to rack my brain for a canoe pun. That's brilliant. Oh. That's definitely oh. the sun. She gets a bit panicked and she's like, you know, oh, my boys are going to never, never going to talk to me again. You think so? I mean, what a terrible thing to have done to your grown up son. That's just yeah. unforgivable. The sons, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, your dad's dead. oh no, dad's dead. No, mum and dad have been having the. Wild old time. <laughs> time of their lives. So at this time, um, John Darwin is arrested and Anne Darwin returns to the UK to be taken into custody. The sons at this point release a statement saying that they can't believe, first of all, they're delighted that their dad's been found, so or he's come forward and whatever else. They're like, oh, my God. And the God. good thing is they're going to know where he is next time <laughs> because he's going to be in jail. Correct. Mm. So the sons release a statement saying they can't believe that their mum <laughs> let them believe that their dad was dead. So they were really angry Mm. with her. And at that point, they said they didn't want to have anything to do with either of them. So again, that's December of 2007. So detectives start to look at the cliff, you know, the little bit where they lived. And it's not all that tricky. Once they get there, obviously, the house has been sold, which I told you, but there was a treasure trove of correspondence. And a lot of it was about a new identity, and the new identity was John Jones. And this is where another crime is committed because what he did was he took a lead from the novel The Day of the Jackal, and I think it's happened in some other crimes that we've done as well, where he has gone, after he's gone missing, The fir- one of the first things he did was he went to a local library and got a library card, and then he started doing oh, – Started doing research there. That was before he got the card, actually. And he found that there was a baby who died in nearby oh. Sunderland. And it was within two years of when he was born. Oh, so he used that. Year. Yeah. He used that identity to then he gets a, you know, like a library card. It's little things to start with. And then he befriends a librarian and she's the person who then helps him when he needs um what's a person called? Uh like a note notarized. Yeah, that's how he gets right. his new identities by becoming John Jones, and he uses his relationship with someone at the library to start that whole new identity and all the time still being able to use So he actually gets a passport. Oh, yeah, totally. That's how he's able to move around. So so this is like the early stages. So what he tells the police is that, yeah, he did go out to sea and then he'd arranged, (laughs) I love this, he arranged for Anne to pick him up. (laughs) So Anne... And had to like drive. So the, yeah. <laughs> this story started. It literally like he so leaves, uh, you know, oh, cliff, the cliff. Yeah, Sefton, Seton, Carew. He goes out off the water and he goes around the corner. I think she, I think she sticks with it for a little while. <laughs> she sticks with it for a short while. 
And then when she gets around, the, when he gets around like the corner, like he's gone out, you know, some water, a waterway. Yeah, around the yeah. head. And then thing. she's just waiting in the car. He crawls up the rocks or whatever else, pushes the canoe back out. And then she drives him to Durham, drops him off at a God train sakes. station. He then catches a train to Newcastle. And no CC. No, I just, no one was really looking, looking for him, right? But this is what's, you yeah. know, with all these other things, you can't do boobs. So Charlie much Charlie CCTV yeah, there in the There must UK, have been. Yeah. So he catches, she drops him off. So she drives him to the train station in Durham. He gets on a train from Durham to Newcastle. Then he gets another train from Newcastle to Carlisle. And then he kind of thinks, oh, God, I actually don't have a lot of money. So I'm not going to be able to continue to stay in hotels. So he then uses the money that he has to buy some camping equipment. He just starts camping. But as one of the detectives said, I think he kind of got sick of that. So after a couple of weeks, he just called her and said, can you come pick me up? So she drove <laughs> home. She drove from Seton. <laughs> across to somewhere near Carlisle, picked him up in the car, their car, their car, drove him home. So now it gets interesting. Yeah, it's crazy, right? When I say now it gets interesting, it's just as interesting. I can't believe it because... It's just ridiculous, right? If you were going to do it, you would surely have a plan. Like, you know, you need to be missing for a month, so you go and do this or whatever. Not just, it's just so... Alexa, day, I know, but they got away with it, right? I don't know, right? just drop you off at the train station. Yeah, they know, I don't understand why no oh, one was no, saying anything. No, You know, exactly. So they owned <sighs> number three, I think, was the cliff, which I've told you about, but I was not aware they also owned number four, the yeah. cliff. Now, I don't know if they oh. owned that at the exact moment, but they certainly owned it fairly shortly after mm. because what they did was John Darwin had one of he the little bedsteads, correct, and because I haven't explained this, but uh, the houses were all connected. Is that duplex when they're all connected? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. the right word? Yeah. Or, or strata title kind of. Mm, like imagine like terrace. Terrace, yeah, like they're all, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like, like my house yes. in the UK. So they're yeah. all connected. So what they simply did was they in the bedsit where he was, it was connected to the adjoining wall to their family home. Oh, they yeah. created like a little secret doorway in a cupboard. Mm-hmm. So you well, go see, into the I cupboard. I could have done that a... with Nick and Helen's yes, place. Yes, exactly. exactly. Same. Yeah. I bet you yeah. thought about it too yeah, at different points. Have. No, Josh is <laughs> in opposed... the next room. Oh, no. That would be weird. As opposed yeah. to just walking out the backyard. Exactly. Yeah, true, true. So he was able to freely go from one house to the next. I've seen him interviewed. The arrogance of this man is like, off the charts and he was saying it was we were lucky she says actually in one interview we were lucky that we had um a gravel driveway so if anyone drove up we could hear them and he would just go and he says i would just take my cup of coffee and go upstairs like not bothered (laughs) you know no one they're not going to storm the door if we had if we had you know if we had visitors if she had family in but you'd think there'd be some indication that there's someone else there like a, a coffee mark or a mug or something you know you would have thought there'd be something yeah but if no one's looking yes, for that's it that's exactly right and so many people and you know a lot of the investigators obviously say oh hindsight's a wonderful thing you know people will say you know why didn't I go and check and all the detectives going oh it's like Narnia the cupboard in, you know go and check the wardrobe <laughs> to see if there's a secret doorway Mr. Tumnus yes Mr. Tumnus it's ridiculous <laughs> so they also Talk about this is the pair of them talking about what would. But actually, it's it's John Darwin that I've seen interviewed. He would go out for walks. 
you'd go along the you know the seaside and they had like a code and it was a yeah, people kept seeing him yeah. and he yeah. was like no you're crazy we'll yeah. just ignore at you at one point yeah. I've seen him interviewed he says oh I saw my father and my son walk. my father not my father my son my father and my brother walking towards me and I freaked out a bit but they didn't notice me so I was fine <laughs> and so they had a a, a little curtain code. So if the curtains were hanging down straight, it meant <laughs> oh, that he wasn't to come back. They didn't even notice him. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this not a movie? I, it's just it's probably. I think it is now. That's the whole point. I think there actually there is. is a yeah, telly, I think there is. I think ITV. Yeah. I know they have. I just oh, because that. you've got your other source. That's not it actually. But I think there no, is a made for telly. Yeah, there I is. I think it might be on Acorn. Yeah. What's Acorn? It's a streaming service, Acorn or BritBox, I'm oh, pretty sure. Oh, if you say I it's ITV, it'll it. be on yeah. BritBox, yeah. yeah. So they leave the curtains hanging, you can't come home, there's someone here if it's a certain way, something else done, drawn, whatever else, means you can come back. Like uh, Diary of Anne Frank <laughs> styling. Ooh, kind of. Yes. Ridiculous. But this is, it, it was just crazy. He wasn't so, even hiding in a secret, no, secret place. It was just no. next door or upstairs. And there is one of the, and he had a different name in that he went view. by. I wonder if I can... Yeah find the other name he had another name that was like kurt or something i can't really maybe that wasn't kurt i'm probably making that up How was long? it don jarwin <laughs> hey, hey are you john darwin no i'm don jarwin because <laughs> he, he how had, long did he stay at the cliff for well quite some time but he was traveling a lot and i'll come on to that <laughs> okay, right, right. he was he had to fill his day somehow <laughs> right, right oh, oh i'm gonna have to find out where it is so with his new identity, so although he was John Jones in his passport, to the other people in the building, he had like another identity. John I Jones. mean, he's still John. He's not even. No, he did yeah, have another well, name. No, <laughs> maybe it's easier, you know, it's like because then, you know, when people say John, you're not going to give yourself away if you tell saying that you're yeah, now exactly Benjamin, right? right? Yeah, so if you just say, well, so this is how John's shit a common. The whole plan is. It's- but John's a common first name, so John's <laughs> yeah. probably safe enough, yeah. So uh, here we go. One of no, the, um, this is how, how little he's trying to hide. And so many people it's have seen him. It's 7 in the morning. I can't believe this shit. So many different people have It says here um, in <laughs> Wikipedia, so uh, a tenant of the block of bedsit flats at the Darwin's own, Lee Wadrop, recognised Darwin and asked him, aren't you supposed to be dead? To which Darwin replied, <laughs> don't tell anyone about this. <laughs> that was it. You threatened him. You just said, don't tell anyone about this. Wadrop later said that he... Remember, they own it, so they would have been his landlords. So Wadrup later said later that he was, had, oh, he had not told the police because he didn't want to get involved. In May 2005, yeah. an angler, Matt Orty, claimed to have met Darwin. He didn't want to get involved. Yeah, who was going no, under the name I'm John Williams telling. at a lake near Penzance, Cornwall. Yeah, he wrote a few songs okay. too. Not only this, he also starts to do a bit of travel because he's got money. She's got the money from the um, insurance company, obviously. And they're just living this nice little life. So he met a woman online at one point and he actually went to Kansas to visit her. He thought there was going to be something sexual, but it also was of a business interest. It didn't go so quite so well. So I'm he came sorry, back. and Anne was okay with this? Yeah. I'm going off to shag what? a bird from Kansas. No problem. Off you go. Yeah, it was just what? weird stuff going on. He spent most of his time on the internet where he encountered a woman from Kansas in the US whom he flew out to meet. But that didn't go so well. By November, Darwin was back in the UK and flew from Newcastle to Gibraltar. And then he travelled to oh, he, he travelled to El Porto what? to San Marino to view a forty-five thousand pound, forty-two foot catamaran that he was considering buying. He was just out and about. They went on holidays. Apparently, 
they would travel from different airports and then just meet somewhere. So John Jones would fly out of, I don't know, Bristol. She'd fly out of Manchester and they'd meet up in Spain. I think they went there a few times. But they were not at home. They were out. They were busy. He just didn't think anyone was as clever as he was and he was looking for a bigger life. So they were always going on holidays. Did they clear their debt? Like, I so, think they did clear some of it because I have right. read somewhere that they did pay something off, but they just were looking for the next part of their life. Where are we going to go? What are we doing? They were doing their research, trying different places, and that's when they started to look at Panama. And when interviewed, they said to him, you know, why do you want to go to Panama? He's like, the temperatures. A lot of people don't like warm weather, but I really do. And it's a good place for Nazi criminals to go oh, to. There's lots of places over there that they like to go to. And there's also they had decided they were going to start an eco-resort and when people were interviewing, interviewed about the Darwins, they're like, these were like the most pasty, you know, nobody not interested in the environment. He wasn't even a canoeist. That was not even true really. He had one, but he wasn't really doing much. They were like, this is so out of what we think that they would want to do. But apparently when they went to Panama with some of their monies, they'd bought some piece of land or something and with the desire to create an eco-resort in the jungle because they were certainly flying <laughs> off to Costa Rica and doing bits and pieces here and there. They were just do whatever they like. She was living the high life. And that's when I think people started to become suspicious of Anne. No, mm. people didn't like the fact that all of a sudden, you know, she, oh, I think I'll leave the doctor's surgery and I might just go to Panama. You know what I mean? People were not liking how much mm. she was travelling, so how happy she seemed to be. Correct. And drank cups of tea and it looked sad. Be, yeah, but she couldn't they do that. would have away with it. Yeah. She just yeah. couldn't do that. And I think, you know, one of the parts of the investigation, there was a, I think one of the other people at the doctor's surgery, she said, I'm, she keeps having whispering phone calls. I'm sure she's talking to John. So she <laughs> that had been reported to um, no, the police. And that was where things started to take hold. Was, there were, it's, no, it's Don. I'm talking to Don Jarwin. <laughs> Don Jarwin. <laughs> My new lover. Oh, God. Yeah, but, yeah. but she was started to, you know, she was putting large sums, sums of money, moving them around. She travelled so much. So they did start finally. A police financial investigation had begun. As I said, it was only like three months before he turned himself in. But I guess the point is why? Why did he turn himself in? Because they didn't they didn't know they were being investigated. They thought they were away from it. But they he thought they were too smart. They, you know, I mean, after five years, they were doing pretty well, right? But, you know, he's known as Canoe Man by this point in the UK, of course. <laughs> The reason was Canoe Man. Things had what changed. Nomius name between yeah. Panama and the UK, and the ah. visa situation had changed. In the months once he got Anne to Panama, or as she said, once he got there, I think she was complicit in all of it, really. But once she was there, they sold everything. It just so happened that he went. Oh, by the way, I'm going to have a problem because with the new laws, my passport and the visa situation is not going to be robust enough to pass the test for the UK I'm going to get caught out I need to this is not going to work for us anymore I, I need to come clean so he left Panama and then thought I'll just you know we're all set up now we'll sort it all out this will all just go away I'll just go and say it. he thought that he was going to get away with that so he voluntarily <laughs> flew back what to the UK and handed himself in because he, well, didn't, he didn't think that John to. Jones was I mean, going to hold up. I mean, up. to be fair, but to be fair, he'd gotten away with it for five years. Correct. Like, how? But what I don't understand is what was this visa situation? What, he wouldn't be able to go back to the UK? Who cares? Following a change in Panama's visa that, laws. That's the bit I don't get. 
Darwin emailed Anne on the 14th of June 2007 to notify her that their identities would have to be verified by the UK police in order for them to receive now required Panamanian investors visas. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, they this probably stay also, in Panama. Yes. Right, it was all right, based right. on that. So he knew that the John Jones aliens was, would not pass up. Exactly. That level of scrutiny. So he thought that he'd just return to UK under his real name. Or just rent. Um, so he comes back as, you know, John Dallas says, oh, I don't know what's going on. I mean, that was a little bit naive, wasn't it, John? I've got amnesia. They're back in the UK. It's end of 2007. She comes back and she says, oh, you know, I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. But by July 2008, when they go to trial, I she's agree. totally I've changed. I no idea. She's the <laughs> totally changed her tune. And she's now saying it was marital coercion and that she only did it because he oh. made her do it. <laughs> she was apparently torn to shreds. <laughs> in the trial, oh, torn to shreds. Oh, in the, right, in the trial, right. and oh, they just—I thought we were taking a real turn. Yeah, and you know, yeah. why didn't you turn to your sons? Why didn't yeah. you get help from them? Why didn't you say to them, "Stop you know, victim blaming"? Yeah. Uh, and so then she becomes control. a real like the the press yeah, just maybe. absolutely crucify her, and you know there it's are all the headlines. You know, mother mm-hmm. of all lies—that's what they called her. No, because she had ripped off the insurance. And you know, how could you do that to your sons for so long? So there was no sympathy for what she had done. They were both convicted of fraud and John was also convicted of acquiring the fake passport. So for his troubles, he was sentenced to six years and three months. And Anne, described as a compulsive liar by everybody who she came across, she was actually um, sentenced (laughs) to six years and six months. So she got more because of accepting the insurance fraud money. They were both released. Did, hang on, but but so she accepted the money. Did they not both Knowing get the that money? he wasn't dead. Knowing that he wasn't dead. No, 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 because he's dead. He's dead, yeah. So she's passed the money on. But he's yet. not. No, yeah, exactly. No, so, so he's she fraud. Off, you know, yeah. all that moving the money around yeah. business. She's giving him money, but she. Accepted it. She knew it. She yep. Knowingly, knowing he was alive. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. picked him up from Nicola after he did like camping for a bit. And, you know, she took the money and that was complete fraud, yeah. They were both released in 2011, so they didn't serve about half their sentence, I think. And just before they were released, she filed for divorce. Divorce. There it is. He was released in 2011 after serving half his sentence and wanted to rekindle his marriage. But when Anne refused, he divorced her on the grounds of unreasonable behaviour. Two years <laughs> after being released. Uh, you're unreasonable because you won't get back with me even though I've caused this. Yeah, yeah. Caused the, the, been in jail for six years and three months. <laughs> I mean, what? It's crazy. Uh, two years after being released, John broke the terms of his parole to see a young Ukrainian woman he had met on a foreign bride's website for women seeking a rich He's husband. He's a horn dog. He's horrible. He told her that hundreds of women wanted to meet him and that he received 240 messages from admirers in one day. But after that first date, she never wanted to see him again. Truth stretcher. In 2015, John married Filipina bride Mercedita, otherwise known as Mercy, who is 23 years his junior and has businesses including a clothes store in a giant indoor market in Manila. Okay. Poor Mercy. uh, It's like 90 days, the single life. So he's still with Mercy in Manila. And what happened to Anne? She... After she did her time, she was able to work for the RSPCA using some qualifications that she had gained in prison. And then she wrote a book where all the proceeds went to both the RSPCA 
and the RNLI, which I believe that's the the lifesaver, but I forgot what it's Royal Royal National Lifeboat Institution. That's it. Yeah, that'll be it. So that's to do with them all the silliness that they created up front. Mm-hmm. All the wasting of time when someone else was drowning, probably yes. somewhere. Yeah. So she's retired and lives alone north of England. But she has reconciled with her two sons, Mark no and friends. Anthony, who had previously disowned her, and she is part of her grandchildren's life. Meanwhile, John's in Manila with Mercy, running a market store. I'm begging you for mercy. So that you release is me? the story of... <laughs> I'm begging you for mercy. Oh, God, John and Anne Darwin. And I want to get straight to my sentence because I know straight up what I want to do to this man because <gasps> he, I very rarely have this, but he... You have to watch a little bit of him being interviewed. He is, I believe, because I might be wrong, but I think he's a narcissist. And he just thinks he's, I, I don't know, untouchable. There's something so strange about how superior he comes across. And he talks about how he thought the insurance money was his anyway. Like, well, I'm entitled to it. It'll sort our problems out. So I just have to find a way to get it. We'll do that. And then we can sort that out because we had no life. We were, you know, we were so stressed. We were worried about it. So I just had to solve it. And that's how I did it. So I think for me, I think that what I would like to do, the things that really bug me, he was like, clearly he was manipulative. He suggested that he was a self-made man. I've read somewhere that he was not a self-made man. He'd been given money, first house, first car, all that kind of stuff had been, you know, help. he'd had help from his family. But this idea that he thinks he's smarter than everybody else, but he's got to maintain this, you know, idea that, you know, oh, I drive a Range Rover and, oh, I've got all these properties, even if it turns out they, they weren't all that and they weren't being rented out by anybody at the time. It was all a bit fictitious in the sense that it was all about appearing a certain way. So what I would like to do to him is I'd like for him to have a severe public humiliation that at the point where they were making the decision that, oh, I think we better fake our own death, A, I would like his kids to catch wind of the fact that that was what they were going to get wind of the fact they were going to do that so that they could see their parents for what they were at that point and that they could disown them knowing that their parents were then going to say, oh, we just won't be able to tell the kids. They got wind of that. So the par- the kids at that point could go, oh, my God, you are those people. Uh, no, thank you. We don't want anything to do with you. Mm. Then I would love for him, for his colleagues at the prison, who he thought he was better than and it was kind of just sort of tolerated them, I guess, when in actual fact because he just thought he was so much better than them. But he was still there, right? Didn't have yeah. to be there if you weren't. If you were all that, you wouldn't have needed to be doing that job. It wasn't, it wasn't yeah. all that. Yeah. That they find out that, in fact, this portfolio of properties that he purports to have and, you know, he's making all this money of, that they see the, the numbers. They can see it's actually a house of cards. It's all fallen down. They're in debt. They can't even afford to pay for their dog food for their dogs. For somebody like him who's so intent on trying to make find a way that it's all about the money and we can, we can, we can keep doing this because she says, I said to him we need to declare bankruptcy and he, he just couldn't do that. He couldn't handle that. It would just be too embarrassing for him. Well, I want him to not have that choice but be it all be open and everybody see him for what he is because I think that would absolutely destroy a man who's pretending to be something that he's not and everyone goes, oh, mate, you need this job at the prison more than we do. You're not all this. This is all just fake. Out of your house. These are your debts. You're declared bankrupt because that would have just, that's where he belonged to be. And I would have loved Anne at that point to go, oh, you know what? I'm out. This is all, you're just, you're nobody. And I'm not saying that she's not 
part of it. But if she was the one saying that they should have declared bankruptcy, if she really did say that, well, at least that was the right thing to have done given this situation. Mm. And that's my view on uh, the Darwins or Canoe Man. And the title of that documentary was... Ah, yes. The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe. (laughs) The Thief... (laughs) His wife and the canoe. I don't know when they brainstormed that and thought, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a famous film called The Th- Was It The Cook, The Thief, the, His oh, Wife yeah, and the Lover the, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's based and on. And His Lover yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be a point I, I think it is yeah. too, but I just couldn't tell you With Helen earlier. Mirren, yeah. But, yeah. Right, so over to you, Pip. What did you make of it? I think while you were giving your sentence, because I, I really hadn't given any thought to sentencing, I was just too much enjoying Clarky's reaction to <laughs> the twists and turns of pure stupidity that we were hearing. But as you were talking, I actually got a little bolt of inspiration. Yeah. Sort of along similar lines to you, but I think what we'll do, Swanee, is we will make them bankrupt. Yeah. They will lose all of their assets so they no, ha- no longer have a house, but we'll leave them with their two-man tent <laughs> and they have to camp in the village green of the town that they're from yep. and everyone knows they're shit broke, everyone knows who they are and they are stuck living literally on the village green in their tent all the time and then that's ext- the public disgrace for that. There you oh, go. I that's like my that. sentence. It would be nice if someone yeah. recognised them for <laughs> oh, everyone knows who yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. To be nice, if you went, yeah, that's yeah. them. Big sign yeah. up saying John, John and Ed Darwin. Ed Darwin, throw tomatoes if you like. Bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon I want them to throw food scraps <laughs> if that's the punishment. Here you go. Well, maybe half an apple. Maybe we'll put them in the stocks for a few hours on the weekend so the kids can come and throw rotten food at them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Old school, you know. So the village green it feels like the right kind of medieval yeah. punishment. Yeah, yeah. Clarky. Mm. God, I, I am so confused by this story. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. Like I go through moments where I go, I don't know what the crime is. You know, is it just incredible stupidity? I love that he thinks he's smarter than everyone else when he's just done. Like that was never going to work. The toing and froing. <laughs> the fact that it if lasted that long, though, they'd have got I the insurance money and gone and not come back. Yeah, but if they just left the UK, she could have though. Like and went somewhere instead else. Instead of no traveling, that's right. Instead of no traveling around, she could have literally sold up everything. Said, "I'm too sad to stay here. I've paid off my debts and I've moved to." That's what I reckon. X. You know, like there was no need. Don't. Don't sit there talking to Don Jarwin from the receptionist. <laughs> you know, he's like flashing Job? it. Like, look here, look here. We're dodgy, we're dodgy. It's just nonsense. Yes. Agreed, agreed. I, I, I just don't get it. And also, if if you were going to go and fake your own death, you would have a plan. It's, it's literally like they've woken up and gone, go for a canoe and then I'll pick you up and drop you off somewhere. That was their plan, darling. we'll see you later. <laughs> I'll pick but, you up on like, the dig. It's, it's such nonsense. Yep. Oh, I know. So I'm going on a the land with me, I think, that Exactly. <laughs> in the UK where yeah. people will recognise me, I'm going to walk on the beach out the front of our house. Oh, I know. But they got away with wonder it for wonder why so people long. see me. Like, if you're going to do a runner and you're going to live in a tent, go down south. Don't go north. Carlisle's yeah. near, near the yeah. border. He, 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 he didn't want Anne to have to drive too far to come and collect him. Well, fair, fair, that, you know. Oh, isn't he a car? Oh, love, man. can you come right. pick me up now? But, you know, another thing was on the day that he Fresh was missing, apparently mm. it had been a particularly, like, unusually calm day. <laughs> like, he went out anyway. It was like it wasn't, it was a bit <laughs> rough. It was super calm. And they were baffled. They kept going, oh, it's such a calm day. It's probably one of the best days well, he, you've had. 
<laughs> he didn't want to actually accidentally drown. Yeah, no, you not know, at all. So it's perfect day for me to fake my death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also don't understand things like the coroner who did a death certificate <laughs> for him so quickly. Like I, I just I have this expectation that there are rules and processes in place that stop this from happening. Mm-hmm. And the fact that with no plan, they literally just went, let's go and get fake his death and we'll get the money. And it worked. Yep. Uh, oh. It actually shows people how easy it is because once he was considered missing, from that point on, and both the coroner and the initial investigative, oh, I don't know if he'd be a police officer or a detective, I'm not sure what you'd call him. I've seen, you know, TV interviews with both of them and they're both like totally, yeah, you know, Poor woman, this is awful, this is what's happened to his poor husband. They must look at that stuff now and just go, oh, God, how embarrassing. Maybe embarrassing, because eh? they were such ordinary people. It's, yeah. As, you know, the, the, the coroner and that didn't really think that such ordinary people would do that. Yeah. yeah. But also if the, if the insurance company is saying this is the third time it's happened, the coroner shouldn't be going, exactly, therefore I'm going to give him a death certificate. Because there's no proof of death. There's there's nothing that would suggest. But I don't think that, that, that there's any line other of than the fact that he's gone missing. I don't think there's any connection between the insurance. Uh, what do I call the person? Uh, investigator, or whatever the insurance who works on behalf, investigator yeah, on behalf, and yeah. then with the coroner's office, there would be no connection. So although their suspicion was there's been three that all this would be the fourth. You're totally right, but I don't think that they're going, I'll oh, just to give you a heads up, <laughs> I know they're not there. I don't think that they're, that would happen. But I guess what I'm saying is if if you're a coroner yep. and someone comes in and says, my husband's gone missing, I need a death certificate, would you just go, oh, sure, no problem, like a, you know. I don't think she would do that. Here's two weeks of antibiotics to cure you. <laughs> but but how, would, how would a coroner sign a death certificate for someone who there's nothing to, to suggest that he's dead? So my sentence is, I just want them to fucking clean up their mess. <laughs> you know, so if you've got 11 houses in some place, sell them. Go through that process of selling them. Work hard to pay off your debts. Don't be so shit. And, and stop trying to take advantage of people. I think you're right. Right at the start, you said that his colleagues thought he was lazy. Yeah. And I think 100% he is. Just do what everyone else does. Work. You know. Sort out your yeah. shit, mate. I don't understand how they've both gone on to have relatively normal lives. Like, pay back the insurance They have money. had to do that. So I, I can... Go and yeah. live on the village green. Have they? So okay. on, oh, but this, what they did was I've, it says here, this is just from Wikipedia, so it says on the 14th of February 2012, the CPS announced that the entire... This is where the figures are weird, right? But that makes sense if you listen to what I say. 501, pounds and 39 pence in life insurance and pension payouts that also been getting that received by Anne Darwin had been recovered, partly from the sale of two properties in Panama. Kingsley Highland, head of the Northeast CPS Complex Casework Unit, said, it is important that frauds to see that not only will we prosecute them wherever possible, but we also make every effort to retrieve their ill-gotten gains to ret- return them to those they have defrauded. But then it says in April 2014, it was reported that John Darwin had repaid just 100 21 pounds from the 679,073 pounds that the judge had ordered him to repay. 
However, this was all because all the assets were in Anne Darwin's name. By July 2015, the pair no longer had any assets having repaid the total of 541. So I don't know what he had to do. She's not a victim. No. Just just going back on the whole question about the coroner, mm. so I was just looking up whether what the law is in the UK around the presumption of death for a person who's missing. Yeah. And according to pinnytelford.co.uk, which I'm assuming is a solicitor's firm, yeah. they are saying at the time there was no single framework for obtaining a declaration that a missing person was to be presumed dead So and therefore applied to the Home Secretary for an inquest into John's death and more than a year after he had disappeared, a maritime death certificate was issued by the Hartlepool coroner. Which enabled Anne to cash in on the insurance policies. So she actually had to apply for that. Ah. So it wasn't just immediately declared. Right. She had to apply for it in order to get her hands on the cash. And that's why it did take a year because I remember when I was reading it out and I went, what year was it? And it was in Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, because it was 2002 and then in 2003 she got the money. So it was a year later. Yeah. And yeah, right. Because she asked for an inquest into the death. Because otherwise, I think it's that sort of seven-year period. Oh wow! If they haven't shown up, generally the presumption of death is usually not actually declared until about seven years after someone's. That makes more sense. Yeah, they already yeah, had right. already had another um, life trapped in. Oh, she's not a victim. No, not at all. Well, they were close though. They had two more years. And I yeah, hate that's that true. she's. I hate that she's playing a victim card. She, she's the one who benefited more so than he did. No. They're just idiots. I think they both benefited. I I don't know. She didn't he didn't he had to hide. He didn't do a very good job yeah, of it. Yeah, but the way she wanted to talk about him. A normal life. Yeah, but you know, he's a narcissist, right? And he's repulsive. He thinks nothing of going off to Kansas and wanting <laughs> to have an affair with someone else. Like there are things about the, that story that are red flags to me. I'm not saying he's not bad. No, but I'm, but saying, I'm saying I could I imagine. Saying she's equally bad. Well, I could imagine that being married to a man like that for a very long time, you may actually just go along and be complicit with the stupid shit that he does because it's an easier way of dealing with it. So I'm not saying... Or she's happy with that too. Maybe, but I'm not saying she's definitely she's, not a victim. She's done what she's done to the sons. Yep. I, I'm, she's evil too. Oh, I think, it, no. you know, I think they're both bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I I'm think saying. they're I both bad. I think that she can sit there and say. They're both bad. I'm the victim. Yeah, That's what Mercy bad. said. <laughs> I feel sorry for no. Mercy. I don't. She's the victim. I don't quite feel sorry for anybody. to wash dishes till they've paid off all that money. Like I think just something really simple like that. The yeah, okay. From her. What about wash dishes? Do some work. Wash, yeah. Washing dishes in in I don't know what's the worst hospitality place ever that the dishes are really gross and yeah. there's thousands mm. of them and and they've got to get uh, through that them. sort of thing. Yeah, they're just or just like a whole street of restaurants and everyone just takes their dirty <laughs> dishes down to their house to get clean. Yeah, okay, and their laundry. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Hold the press. I didn't see this article before. I'm going to have to interrupt. <laughs> it's an exclusive and it's from 24th of May this year, Daily Mail. Headline reads, exclusive. Canoe con man John Darwin is serenaded by his Filipino wife in video she posted online from their Manila home as she pursues bid to become social media influencer. Yes, that was the headline. That's a very long headline. Oh, no. What's she up to? That is a very long headline. His new wife describes herself as a digital creator in her profile and the videos in which increasingly uses Darwin as her co-star are receiving dozens of likes. 
On one vlog shows denim hot pants clad Mercy, 49, serenading father of two, Dozens. John, 72, and dancing around him. So uh, either public humiliation by having a camp in the village green or Swanee's got them, just everyone public knows who they are yeah, and yeah. public bankruptcy. And Clarkie goes one further with some serious dishwashing from all the restaurants in the UK. All right. Well, Swanee, that was a very amusing story actually in, in a roundabout way. No one had that to die. And no one had to die. We like it when no one has to die. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, Do we though? <laughs> yeah, we do. Sometimes a palate cleanse is good. As we say every week, <laughs> Miss you already. Ciao. Bye. Ciao, darlings. What's new? Adios. Buenos Aires. Thanks for listening to Trial by Wine. You can contact us at trialbywine at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Trial by Wine on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at www.patreon.com, Trial by Wine. Or visit our website, www.trialbywine.com, to donate to us. Your support will help us cover many more cases and apply wacky sentences. We really appreciate you listening and hope you tell everyone about us. Our cover art is by John Christo and music is by Beauchamp from pixabay.com.